Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Political State from the Oklahoman. I'm Ben Felder. Joining me this week in studio is our federal government reporter, Justin Wingeter. Justin, welcome. Good to be here. And uh, today we are going to kind of focus our conversation on elections and more specifically congressional races in 2018 here in Oklahoma. And one of the reasons we're going to do that, besides the fact that there are some interesting things to talk about, is this may be the last week we can really dive into that, a non-capital topic. Yeah. I mean, we could spend the whole episode talking about the state capital today as a, uh, a teacher strike looms on April 2nd, the legislature, some members are still trying to pass education funding and teacher pay raise proposals. Others seem to say, let's just wait till the second and see what happens. Uh, I imagine that next week's episode will spend a lot of time kind of previewing what at this point looks like is going to be pretty likely a, an April 2nd strike that will last for who knows how long yeah. and we'll continue to follow that. So this week, let's uh, take a little bit of a break from the strike, a break for me because I've been reporting a lot on the strike. Um, but you've been, not a break for you because you've been uh, reporting this week on this uh, on congressional races, specifically with the fifth congressional race. So the, the district that includes Oklahoma City. Uh, we talked about this a little bit on last week's episode, but remind us again, this is a district that maybe is shifting a little bit? Yeah, and we've talked about it on the podcast over over the last, uh, you know, several months, I guess. And this is a district that for years has been shifting. I mean, this is not even something necessarily this year. Mm -hmm. What's new this year is a possible wave election in, in November um, across the country. And Democrats are looking pretty good. Republicans are getting nervous across the country. And so if you had a wave election, this district suddenly becomes competitive. We've said it's competitive before. I mean, I think it is not a safe district for Republicans, in this case, Congressman Steve Russell, any longer. Um, it, obviously, anytime you have an incumbent in a Republican district, that incumbent has to get the, you know, the odds-on favorite, and he still is, no doubt about that. However, in a wave election, if Democrats make huge gains in November and you have a strong Democratic candidate here, you could have a competitive race in November. So this is not a Costa re-election situation for Russell like it may have been in the past? Like it may have been in the past and like it is for probably every other Republican in the state and, and members of Congress uh, in November. Well, let's, I mean, we want to talk about some of the local issues that make this the reason why, but let's talk nationally. You talk about kind of a potential for a wave election right now, and this is common. I mean, the, the you know, one party wins the White House, the other party kind of reels mm -hmm. for a couple of years, and in and, and recent uh, cycles we've seen kind of comes in with a, with a roar in the midterm elections. Um, I kind of, but, you know, the 5th Congressional District, I kind of look at it like in the 2018 election year, it's kind of the point of that exclamation mark for, for, Democrat, or for Democrats, right? I mean, winning the 5th Congressional District um, would, be, would still be a, a pretty big get for Democrats nationally, right? Absolutely. I mean, this, that's, it would kind of be the proof that this is a wave election, you know? Yeah. If the waves would start on the coast, not to overdo this metaphor, but if they reach Oklahoma, I mean, that is really a sign in middle America that you have a Republican district, go Democratic, it would truly be a wave election. And that's probably what it will take. You'll need, first of all, an indication that it's the Democrats have a chance, and then you need some national Democratic money probably to help the Democratic candidate here. Um, and then you would just need, um, You'd really need turnout. I mean, this is why this district has been shaping. I was talking to a political analyst 
who does statistical models last week, and he was telling me they pumped, uh, punched in the numbers for the 5th District, a district he had never been to, didn't know anything about, and it punched out that this was a blue district. This was a Democratic district. And that's because you have uh, African Americans, you have Hispanics, you have um, fewer evangelicals than you do elsewhere in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. And so if you look strictly at the demographics, this could be, I mean, it's a toss-up sort of district. But for 44 straight years, it's been a Republican district, uh, at least in terms of who it sent to Congress. So that is really remarkable uh, that you have such a change, a, a difference in turnout there that even though on paper it looks like it could be even a blue district or at very least a toss-up district, it's been a staunchly Republican district. That is because suburban Republicans and evangelical Republicans come out in waves when minority voters typically do not. Yeah, well, and you it, and it's you talk about how this district is a little different than the rest of the state, and I imagine that, you know, you know, a Republican that lives in Oklahoma City, a Republican that lives in say Edmond or the suburbs, is still going to be a little different than the than the Republican you're going to find in Woodward, Oklahoma, or somewhere yeah. in, in kind of the rural parts of the state. And I would imagine that if we have a president who is embattled come November, where you know Republicans are are getting a lot of criticism. And there doesn't seem to be a lot of you know a lot of movement in Congress, which has been the case for a while. So it's safe to say that might be what it looks like come November. Um, you're going to see maybe a lot of districts like Oklahoma City where that turnout is going to be higher for Democrats. Now, on the flip side, I imagine it's possible that Republic, the type of Republican you'd find in rural Oklahoma, may be a little bit more emboldened. It could be more on the defensive. I mean, Trump's. You know, I don't know that it's safe to say that Oklahoma was Trump's base. You know, before he was elected president, but they've. Republic, the Republican establishment in Oklahoma has rallied around this president. I mean, he is their guy, yes. and they're going to defend him. You, you may see a Republican in western Oklahoma defend the president in a way that a Republican Edmund, who's more moderate, may not be really willing to do so, right? Yeah, and this goes for actually Republicans and Democrats. But yes, how much support he has in this district, how much support Trump has in this district, will play a factor. Um, just a quick recap. This district is almost all of Oklahoma County, minus a, a little sliver in the south, which is around Tinker. It's mm -hmm. a Midwest City, Dell City area. And then it's all of Pottawatomie and all of Seminole counties, rural counties. Um, you have high evangelical turnout. Evangelicals have traditionally backed Trump. Some have had some disagreements. Mm -hmm. I mean, his behavior is a little different for them. Mm -hmm. um, and so you, how much evangelicals back Trump will be interesting, how much suburban, um, you know, highly educated whites will all back Trump will also be interesting. That's another demographic where he's not always done very well with. Mm -hmm. um, and then this is also important in terms of Democrats. The sort of Democrats you get in Oklahoma City are different than the, the Democrats that used to run eastern Oklahoma, mm -hmm. for example, or other, you know, south central Oklahoma, or Lawton even. And so... And, and Pat McFerrin was making this point, Republican pollster and strategist, many of our viewers probably know that, but he was making this point that Democrats here typically um, elect sort of a urban liberal Democrat mm -hmm. to run up against Russell. That probably is not going to work well. It's definitely not going to work well in Pottawatomie and Seminole counties. It's not going to work well as well in, uh, you know, even Edmond, for example, or other places uh, in the district outside of, you know, downtown Oklahoma City. So Democrats have to watch who they elect here. If they go with a more of a moderate choice, to me, that seems like a, a someone who could bring in a big umbrella, bring in independents, mm -hmm. um, bring in more Democrats, and bring in 
maybe even some Republicans who are a little uh, turned off by the president. Yeah, and when you look at the last few years for Democrats in Oklahoma, the, the one shining moments they've had, the few shining moments they've had, have mostly been in Oklahoma County, have been in this district. If you look yeah. at the legislative districts that they've been able to win, they've been in northwest and western Oklahoma City on the south side now. I mean, so those are where they've had some success. So, right. you know, there's probably a hope that, hey, this is becoming more of a Democratic district. When you talk about who those candidates are is going to be important, who are the candidates for the Democrats? Right. So you have four Democrats running against Russell. Um, you have Tom Guild, who has run many times before, uh, very progressive, very liberal from Edmond, former professor. If Kendra Horn getting in for the first time, um, certainly has most of the money right now, uh, strong fundraiser. She's been, I made the mistake once of calling her a political novice, and there were some people that are quick to correct me there. She's very involved in politics. She's taking what I consider to be like a Tom Cole approach to electoral politics. She's traditionally worked behind the scenes, on campaigns, mm -hmm. Um, you know, backing candidates, helping them get organized. Now she's kind of jumping in for herself. And she knows um, a lot about campaigns, a lot about what it takes to run as a Democrat in this red, you know, state we are in. So you have those two uh, who are probably leading the field just because they've been out there a little, they're jumped in a little sooner, mm -hmm. they've been able to raise some money. Um, and you have Elizabeth Britt who just recently jumped in. Don't know much about her. We don't know what kind of fundraising she'll be able to pull off um, because we haven't seen an FEC report from her yet. We will here in mid-April, so a few more weeks. Um, and you have Ed Porter, who is also uh, also running, uh, also a first-time candidate, uh, jumping in there. Really hopes to pull in the labor vote. Uh, he has a strong background and kind of a blue-collar uh, nature to him. So for uh, Democrats, I mean, I, I would expect that you'll probably have a runoff, um, you know, that no one candidate can get more than 50% uh, in that uh, June, mm -hmm. but we'll see. I mean, uh, those four haven't had a whole lot of time to even differentiate themselves from one another. That's going to heat up here. We'll see who files to run, of course, with the state, and then after that we'll start taking a more in-depth look at the candidates here at the Oklahoma and, and to our readers. So yeah. those are the four, uh, four Democrats lining up to run against Russell, and Russell is unopposed in, in the Republican primary. Are you getting any kind of sense whether or not the, uh, the, the National Democratic Party would be willing to pump some money into this race? Um, I mean, are, are you getting a sense that, that that would happen or who that candidate would be that, you know, the Democrats would actually see that, hey, we may actually have a shot in this race? Uh, I am seeing an indication that no, I don't think there's much interest from the National Democratic Party, which has traditionally been uh, kind of hesitant to jump into races. It, it picks its battles. Mm -hmm. I think every party picks yeah. its battles for that for that matter, but it, it picks its battles, and so it often does not get into races that have been you know Republican for this long, a district that's been uh, staunchly Republican for you know like I said 44 years, dating back to the the Watergate election of '74. So. Um, right now, no. I mean, something would have to change and keep changing if it, if it kept, you know, building momentum towards a, a Democratic wave and, and you saw this district uh, start to indicate that it could go blue, then that could change. Or yeah. someone could win without national money. I mean, you can do that. Yeah. It's much more difficult, uh, but it is possible. So I would think if they were going to pick a candidate, it would be Kendra Horn, just because she can, uh, when you look at a Republican district, um, you, you want someone who can bring in uh, you know, a big umbrella of candidates. And so I would think that would be their sort of candidate, 
just knowing she just seems more establishment Democrat candidate. Mm-hmm. Not telling you, you know, who's going to win the primary or, or anything else. And I'm just guessing really on who they would probably want to back, but. That would be my guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it can. And, and November could. St- uh, the November election can still be a big night for Democrats, even if they don't win. As you said, this is kind of the. You know, they, it would take a wave election, but this would be really where the. You know, you talk about those waves coming in from the coast. It kind of makes me think of what that is. It Deep Impact, that movie where there's a big <laughs> yes. asteroid and they all have to go into the center of the country. Uh-huh. Like if Oklahoma is the last patch of dry ground. <laughs> Uh, it means the rest of the country was flooded, but it could still be dry here. If Oklahoma gets wiped out, um, then it's then it, it's going to be pretty bad for Oklahoma, yeah. uh, or, for, or for for Republicans. I mean, um, so do you get a sense for what issue could this race hinge on? I mean, beside in addition to the perception of the White House and Congress and just some of the national issues as a whole in party politics, is there an issue that you think that coming down the stretch? That whoever is, is the Democratic candidate going against Russell, that is going to be kind of their, the, you know, the dominant talking point. I would say it's a it's an issue we don't yet know about. It's something that's going to come up here in the next six months that we don't yet hmm. even, you know, not it's not even on our radar yet. Because if you had asked me that question six months ago, and you may actually have done it on the show, I would have said healthcare, and mm-hmm. that was obviously the dominant political issue last year, an issue that did not work out well for Republicans. Just looking at polling. Not taking a position on Obamacare, but there was an issue that uh, Democrats saw gains in polling from you know the debate over Obamacare. That issue probably is not going to come up much, but we don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve Russell would like the debate to be about taxes and tax reform, which he I mean, clearly believes is a winning issue. Most Republicans do, and so he would like that to be the debate. Um, it could be any number of things. Foreign policy could change in a heartbeat. I mean this year so it'll be interesting I mean we, yeah. I really think it'll be something that comes up in this short attention span we have right now yeah. I don't think it's something that we even quite know about if there's going to be something that really one issue that, that shifts the election otherwise it'd just be issues that you know like health care or taxes issues that are, and immigration things that keep coming up that you know have not gone away for years now yeah, well, you talk, I mean, you talk about health care, and it seems like forever ago, but it was just a few months ago that <laughs> yeah. that was like the big, I mean, that was the big topic nationally as Congress was trying to, uh, you know, repeal Obamacare, and they were trying to push through their, their health care reform efforts. Um, and I, I mean, I did ask you six months ago on this show, and health care was the answer, yeah. and, and uh, or at least at some point, and, and, and Horn was kind of running on that platform. And I remember at the time, Democrats were saying, if you... You know, you, the, this is going to play well for us in the next in the next election, which was still a year away. And then we get, went to taxes, and there was a fight over that. And Democrats were saying, you know, Republicans were saying, "Hey, this is going to benefit us come election day because Americans are going to see more money in their pocket." Those are two issues we're not even talking about anymore. I mean, yeah. they're not in the in the psyche. And whatever the issue is, even three months out may not be the issue come election day. I mean, with the way things turn, you know, when I think about what are what are some potential issues that could just come up. I mean, traditionally, issues that come out of nowhere are typically like foreign policy, whether there's, you know, the issues of a, a military conflict. Um, you look at terrorism. I mean, those are traditionally the, the kind of issues that kind of prop, pop up, and it's impossible to say who would benefit from one of those. And I also think you have to throw in the president. I mean, sure. who knows what the, the status, the, the, um, 
the, and I, the political health of President Trump is going to be. I mean, he, three months he could be stronger or he could be weaker. I think it's just kind of a guess. I don't think it's a far-fetched guess or anything. But um, you know, I wonder if Democrats start to feel like they actually have a legitimate shot of winning the House. How much would um, uh, how much would impeachment be brought up? I mean, especially depending on where this investigation goes. Hmm. And, and I bring that up to say that actually could be dangerous here for, for a Democratic candidate. Oh, Nationally, you may see Democrats in some districts saying, hey, we get we won the House you know, and the Senate. You know, we're going to move towards impeachment, um, especially if new things have come out from the investigation. But I don't know. In a, in a more moderate district like Oklahoma City, you may see some you know, moderates and some Republicans to say, well, we're not for impeachment. That's not, well, we're not going to vote for, we're not going to go to the Democrat now because we just right. don't want to see us go down that path. This came up a little bit in the Pennsylvania race. They mm -hmm. recently had a special election. There were, there was a, some talk among Republicans that they should run on this idea that if you elect Connor Lamb, the Democrat, you're electing someone who could impeach the president. You, you're voting for mm -hmm. impeachment, which in a very Republican district would uh, seemingly work in favor of Republicans. So that issue came up then and, and yeah, I mean, it's getting a little ahead of ourselves, but that very well could become an issue. Uh, just that the talk of it, the threat of it. You mm -hmm. know, I mean, not, I don't think impeachment itself is going to be an issue this year, but the idea that yeah, you could be setting the stage for a future Congress like that. that that would really be interesting. Well, yeah, and it works. But you're like you just said, it works both ways. I mean, for Republicans, it can become a rallying cry, and that's why I think you could see, you know, a situation where it's, you know, maybe a Republican turnout actually goes up than than we normally see in some more rural conservative districts of Oklahoma and western and eastern Oklahoma, where voters are like, hey, I'm going to go vote for the Republican candidate because that's a vote in favor of the president. And like I said, I mean, it could go it could go both ways. Well, that's or if this ahead. comes a, if this becomes a close race. A name you'll hear from Republicans quite a bit in this district is Nancy Pelosi and mm. Speaker Pelosi. Do you really want a Speaker Pelosi? If so, I mean, you know, then go ahead and vote for the Democrat. But otherwise, and that will be a bit of a, a scare tactic, I think, uh, from Republicans in this district if they need to use it. If this becomes a close race. Yeah, I mean, you're already hearing that some, but yeah, especially yeah. in a district like this, you would imagine, you know, that's uh, you know, once again, I mean, the what is what a the the rate the districts closer to the coast you know look different than they do here I mean I think you're right that you know this may be a possible grab for Democrats but it's still going to take a lot of work and okay. and and you know one thing you mentioned on last week's episode and I don't know we mentioned it today one of the things is is political observers are seeing this as a more you know even recently trending more I mean you you wrote earlier this week that uh, you know by one you know political observing organization that they kind of you know move the needle a little bit on Oklahoma from yeah. what was it from you know, a solid safe, Republican solid. to likely Republican. And I went back to our archives, and this was something our colleague Chris Castile was writing about four years ago. Tom, Tom Cole was talking about this four years ago. This district was trending Democratic. You know, it was just a matter of how, how quickly is it trending and, you know, a lot of, a lot of other factors that play into that. But one of those factors would be a wave election. So that would kind of speed up the way it's, it's trending Democratic. Uh, and if you really want to get <laughs> out ahead of things, um, and we do on the show, yeah. so let's just go. Yeah. But <laughs> if uh, when you start looking at redistricting and who wins the governor's race, who's the governor when they redistrict after the 2020 census, and is there an attempt to make this district a safer Republican district by, you could do it a number of different go ways. Go in any direction. Yeah, and because once you get outside the city, you're getting into a more Republican area, so you would just carve off something but that I mean who is if there's a Republican governor that becomes an easy process if there's a Democrat governor it gets a little trickier 
there are, like I said, that's really kind of getting a, a few years ahead, but. But important uh, to think about, and you talk about this district currently has parts of Midwest City and Dell City. I mean, you could just fl flip it the other way and go towards Piedmont. I mean, and you yeah. know, and you're picking up probably more likely you're picking up more Republican voters that way, and maybe even, I mean, you, Dell City is represented by a Democrat in the state house. I mean, it's, you know, and then you're kind of shifting away those Democrat votes to a more conservative district. So it's definitely a, a, a relevant topic. Because traditionally, the city has been carved up a little bit mm -hmm. in terms of congressional districts. I was talking this week with Ernest Istuk, who represented the district for seven terms, I believe it was, but he represented the district at a time when it was more, it was kind of a slice of that northern part. It was, you know, part of the city, but also Edmond and some areas like that. Um, and for a long time, this was a, a Frank Lucas district, even. He represented downtown, where we're sitting right now yeah. at the time of the bombing and, and other times. So that's um, a little different, too. I mean, this, this district has been cut up what is now the district has sometimes been two or even three districts, and the city has been cut up a little bit. You could go back to that and make it probably a safer area for Republicans if you didn't include the entire Oklahoma City. Yeah, in a few years it could look different on the map. It could look different in terms of who's represented it. We'll have to wait and see. And it's yeah. not the only election. It may be the most interesting one, but real quick, uh, what are some of the other races on the congressional front this year? Uh, yeah, you have one other really interesting race in the first. Um, First district, almost it's Tulsa and a little bit of the suburbs as well. But I mean, that's an open seat. Jim Breinstein is retiring, not strictly because of the NASA thing. He said he was going to retire anyway after serving three terms. He term limited himself. Um, now he may not actually get the NASA job. That's a whole other topic, which we've we've talked about here and in print quite a bit. But yeah, there are uh, five Republicans, I believe. Yeah. A kind of a crowded race there and a race to the right, really. I mean, to be the most conservative in that district. Um, you have uh, Kevin Hearn, uh, you have Andy Coleman, Senator Nathan Dom is in that race. I mean, so a lot of money flowing very early on and a lot of uh, positioning to be further and further to the right, the most conservative candidate in a very conservative district. So that's going to be an interesting one just on the primary. You know, you wouldn't expect the general to be much of anything. Um, the second district also has a lot of candidates. Mark Wayne Mullen also made a term limit pledge but didn't follow it, so he is the incumbent. He's running again. Uh, certainly a heavy favorite. He has a couple of candidates, uh, Republican candidates, running mostly, again, to his right, uh, which is hard to do. He's pretty conservative himself, but there are some going even further to the right. Uh, Jaron Jackson, who lost to him handily uh, in 2016, is running again with the backing of Tom Coburn. Um, who's been sort of a, you know, a patron to him, I think, politically, and has backed him uh, quite a bit. Otherwise, you have uh, Brian Jackson, who's a uh, professor in Tahlequah. You have, uh, on the Democratic side, you have um, Jason Nichols, who's the mayor of Tahlequah. Where is, uh, where is our friend Dale when we need him? Oh, true, yeah. Tahlequah yeah. native, yeah. I believe. And it's definitely his home district. But... Um, so yeah, a couple Democrats in there. Uh, Nichols seems to be kind of leading the pact um, among among the Democrats there. Uh, he's getting out quite a bit, um, but that's such a strange district too in a lot of ways. Where if everyone who voted, you know, everyone who was registered to vote voted, it's probably it goes Democrat again because you have so many more registered Democrats in that um, district than Republicans. At least as of a couple of years ago, I'd have to check the numbers again, but. 
but clearly that has become a solidly Republican district the last 10 years or so yeah. out there in eastern Oklahoma. Um, third and fourth districts, there's not a lot happening there. I mean, these are solid veteran lawmakers. Regardless of what you think of them, they are well entrenched. And that's Frank Lucas, of course, in the third, and Tom Cole down south in the fourth. Um, there is a uh, pro-life Democrat running against Cole, but it's, it's a long shot. I mean, anytime you're running against one of those two, either in a primary or a general election, mm-hmm. you're looking at a long shot bid. So those two should be pretty safe. Um, there's no Senate race, so that leaves just a fifth, which I think we've covered quite yeah, a bit. So. <laughs> definitely, definitely have. So uh, an interesting primary to watch here in a couple of months, but obviously the, the fifth district as, uh, as we get closer to November. Um, we, we appreciate that. Well, for the next few weeks, it's likely we'll be talking about more of what's coming out of the state capitol, uh, which this week really wasn't a lot. Well, that's not fair. Dale's had quite a bit of stories and some other bills that have been moving through. But at least with all the attention on um, education and the pending teacher strike, there hasn't been a lot of new developments in that. So this time next week, we'll probably be coming on the show to talk about some kind of plan that is moving its way through the legislature or has just been approved, or we'll be setting up a teacher strike, a massive statewide teacher strike that is likely to start in a couple of days. Either way, we'll be with you here on another episode of Political State. Justin, thanks so much. We will see you again next week. For The Oklahoman, I'm Ben. Thanks for watching.